Hey everyone, welcome to the Mindful Marriage Podcast, a Hope Fellowship podcast all about helping you survive and thrive in your marriage in ways only God could imagine. I'm your host, Seth Muse. With me is Hope Fellowship's lead care and support pastor, Brock Yonke, and licensed professional counselor, Tara Wiedemeyer. How's it going, guys? Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Now, tonight, today in our podcast, we had decided we're going to talk about something called Love Maps. Um, before anybody gets really freaked out and weirded out what that is, uh, on what that is, tell us, what is a love map? Well, a love map is really just finding a way to build a story, to build a map, to know how your partner really feels loved. Um, I read a book a few years ago called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And one of the things that he mentioned there that really struck a chord with me is he mentioned that if you're in a business and you never feel like you get to share what you're thinking, never get to feel like you get to share your thoughts, you start to feel like that company then doesn't value you. And it's not your job necessarily to make sure that they do what you've said, but at least like you got to share what's going on inside of you. And I think mm-hmm. in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, if you never get to share and really share what's going on deep inside of the other person, eventually, probably not very long after, you're going to start to feel devalued. You're not going to feel as important to them. And so it's so important that in our relationships that we're making sure that we're hearing what our spouse really, really has to say, what they think and they feel. And so what that does then is it kind of creates a map then for us that we put in front of us to know, oh, these are the things that really are meaningful to them. So I can kind of follow this map to make sure they feel loved. Because again, I think the whole goal of marriage is not a selfish one where I'm learning how to be loved, but the whole goal of marriage is I'm learning how to love another human being. And so if we're not building maps, we're just kind of guessing about how to love someone. But if we're building this map of how they're loved, then we have a real tangible opportunity to really make someone feel valued. And that's really kind of the goal in our relationships. Yeah. And, and what are, so, so explain what, how would you create a love map? Like what are, what's some of the stuff that's on a love map? So I'm the dumb guy in the infomercial right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is like counselor speak. And so I'm, I want to make sure that everybody out there who probably feels like me a little bit knows exactly what's on these things. So Tara, what, what would that consist of? So sometimes this is done in a um, intentional environment, sometimes very informal. Like if you're just out to dinner and y'all are just connecting and talking, um, you can pull these things out that are helpful to put on your love map, so to speak. So it's just questions that really help you understand the inner workings and framework of your spouse. And so things like, you know, what they're afraid of or what they really enjoy or the things that maybe um, they have insecurities around. And, And you're not asking these questions or not trying to get to this space in order to like fix them or to come up with a solution. Sometimes that happens organically um, and it turns into a really cool conversation, but it's so you can connect with them and know them, know how to um, better speak to them and pray for them and be cognizant of how you show up. So you're honoring the things that you've learned and heard from them. Mm -hmm. So it's just a lot of questions um, and paying attention. I have a lot of, problem with that too. Like when, when I hear my wife say things that are, that are she's struggling with or that uh, are important to her, my first intent, my first uh, reaction is to try to help her fix it. Yeah. Because I'm like, why would we even talk about it if we don't want to really fix it? Right. But you're saying like, it's really more about just listening and hearing the person out yes. and just considering and, and kind of like saying, I hear you, I see you, you know, yep. it's like, I'm, 
I'm going to hurt with you, more of an empathy thing yes. than a let's let's fix the problem, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's you know it takes vulnerability to do that mm-hmm. um, for that person to share those things with you, and so when we are being vulnerable, even if it's something that we're you know we're super we're comfortable with, it's something we've talked about a lot with a lot of people. We still don't necessarily need somebody to come along and be like, okay, here's what you need to do, you know, because we already may know what we need to do, but it's not time to do that thing yet. It's a process. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that we deal with in marriages and just individually, um, a lot of that's a sacred journey. And we need to, like, wrestle with that on our own. We need to – we can seek wise counsel and that kind of thing. But it's not something that's just a wham-bam kind of thing. And it's a process. And so we may know where we want to end up or where we need to end up, but there's got to be some stuff that we get in order or modify or heal from in the process. Yeah, a good rule of thumb that I continue to think about with couples that seem to be doing it well is that couples that seem to ask, if there's kind of a, a policy, and we've talk, I think we've talked about this before, but couples that seem to ask a lot of questions yes. of the other person, not to just, like, if you're making a statement, you're just kind of telling them how you feel. But if you're asking, or maybe even telling them how they feel. How they feel, yeah, yeah. But if you're asking a question, you're you're wanting to gain information. You're wanting to gain insight to their inner you're workings. You're being curious. And that is really questions. If you just think, if you forget the term love maps, but if you just think, I need to be asking my spouse questions to know what's going on inside of their world, you're building love maps. You're doing all the work. So you can forget the term love maps, but just think questions. How many questions am I? How is your, what's what's coming up in your week? What's going on? How did that make you, you just, those kind of things just to hear what's inside of them because you're not assuming what's going on in their inner world, you're actually hearing, because that can change over time and change with different situations. And so really, it's just about thinking about, man, I've got to be a human being that asks a lot of questions of my spouse, and that's got to be something consistently that I do so they feel heard, and therefore, when someone feels heard, they feel really valued, and that adds a lot of richness And they feel like they're a part of the equation, you know? And I think this is a good analogy, but like when you're, say you're in college and you're learning you're studying a subject that maybe whether you're super passionate about it or you absolutely detest it, but you've got to get through it, you're going to, you know, hopefully throw yourself into that thing to learn it, to study it, to ask questions, to go to tutorials, to annotate in the margins, you know, to maybe kind of live, breathe, and eat that subject until you get it so you can pass the test or do the project. And if we're willing to do that for something as as simple, a little more short term than yeah, versus just long term. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's it's and it's quick and it's brief and it's not. It doesn't have this um, long term investment necessarily in it. Then w- why aren't we doing that with our spouse? So in a lot of ways, you're saying that one of the things we need to look at our spouse is we really need to be a student of them and knowing what makes mm-hmm. them work. It's and a great what makes way to say tick. that. Yeah. And so, like that's kind of our lifelong journey is to continue to learn this human being. And our spouse, above all people, is the number one person we should be trying to know be a student of them so that we can really show them love and honor them. And man, if we're doing that, if that's going to really set up for a great relationship because you're going to feel really valued when you're feeling really valued, you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to do different things for this other human being so that they can feel loved as well. So that creates this great flow in a relationship. Yeah, a synergy. Yeah. And I think it helps with like a lot of times we, if we're not talking about stuff and we just expect, we talked about this a little bit before, but if, we aren't talking about what we need, what we want, what bothers us. We might become bitter, resentful, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And this is a very hands-on technique that kind of keeps that at bay. Yeah. And even if you are irritated by something, you're more likely to talk about it 
in a productive way rather than, you know, spit it out in the middle of an argument. Yeah. Yeah. And that's especially if someone in the relationship is kind of that withdrawing type yes. uh, person where they don't really like to express that right away. They like to hold back, think about it. And while they're, they're doing that, they're creating a narrative that may not be true. Right. And come back to your spouse and go, hey, okay, here's how I feel about what you did. And your spouse is totally blindsided because they, no, they had no idea that was even a thought in your head. It might have taken you a week to come back yeah. and talk about it. It sounds to me like what you're saying is really there's a, there's a in order to under, become a student of your spouse, you you really have to be good at communication with your spouse. And I wonder if you guys have any tools for us that can help us with communication in that relationship so we can become better students of our spouse. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> okay, nice setup. There I do. <laughs> Licensed professional counselor. Oh, I do have some techniques and ideas around this. Um, I have a, um, a document that I use a lot of times called the four T's of communication, and it breaks things down between timing, tone, technique, and truth. Okay, say those again real slow. Timing, tone, technique, and truth. Got it. Interesting. Those all begin with T's, thus making hey. the four T's. Yep. Of communication. That's right. That's wow. right. Wow. <laughs> so we're, we're all pro. Yeah. <laughs> all pro marriage counseling. So um, with timing, there's, and I'm just going to hit on some of the highlights of these. Um, this is a really great idea and practice to use. So feel free to look it up. Um, there's lots of information on the four T's of communication. But um, for timing, asking yourself before you approach a topic or a conversation with your spouse. Is this a good time to bring this up based on the location you're in, the environment you're in, the state of your own heart, maybe the state of their heart? If you know they're, you know, steaming mad still and can't even string a sentence together, probably not the right time. Or for example, like when I can tell my wife is really stressed from things at, at, you know, her job or whatever, that's probably not a good time to bring up a subject that might be sensitive. So the timing of knowing what what mood you're studying them again, where they're at. Read the room. Yes, read the room. Um, And then how much time do we have? A lot of times, you know, all of these things can be, you can check all of these off, but the, how much time we have is, essential because if you're going to talk about something heavy or emotional or that's going to take more than one conversation and you only have 20 minutes until you know you have company coming over probably not the time it's you can't rush this stuff and if you do we get into trouble mm-hmm. um, another one is tone um, I think this is I always tell people that the way we say things is just as important as what we're actually saying if not more um, so paying attention to our tone of voice, our body language, the tone of the environment. You know, if you're at a rock concert, bad example, but if you're at a rock concert and you're wanting to talk about the intimacy of your relationship, those aren't really congruent. You know, it doesn't provide a <laughs> safe right, space. I, professional therapist, can I ask you a question? Yes. Here? All right. So one of the things that I've kind of developed in my brain, this may be a skewed view of looking at my tone, is I, I'm starting to think if my wife perceives this tone as a bad tone for her, then it's my not, not my job to try to convince her this is a good tone, but it's my job to kind of react and say, okay, I just got to work on my tone because this is not coming across to her, whether I feel she's being overly sensitive, whatever it be. It's my job to come back and work on my tone. Correct. Even if, it, if I might think I'm completely rational, and I got to yeah. work on my tone. So part of that is, yeah, taking ownership of your own stuff and what, you know, if we're staying in our hula hoops or our circles, then we are not um, going to try to manage how they perceive or take something in. It's only our job. If we're, if we're speaking assertively or directly, but not aggressively, but we are 
being responsible, it's coming from love. Our intention is never to hurt, and they get offended or hurt by that. It's not our job to change the way we've approached that necessarily. Because if we are, you know, we take an inventory of where we're coming from and we're we're lined up with what we believe to be love and truth, and they still get offended, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they are going to come back and y'all have some, that can actually be a pretty cool thing. So mainly it's our job to manage our tone, but realize as we're managing our tone, there's just some times we can't control what happens to another person. Yes. We control and do our best yeah. to manage our tone in a good way. And sometimes if you're not good at that and you know you're not good at that, but you know you need to have these conversations, sometimes a good thing, again, going back to your questions, is instead of going, hey, you did this badly, mm-hmm. coming in and going, hey, can I can I ask you something that um, and that might be difficult for you to hear? But can you just hear me out for a second? Yeah. And kind of setting it up, giving them that chance to to hear that even though my tone is, I, I'm not sure it'll be great here, but here's what I need to say because I need to say it. Yeah, and then remove all the sharp objects from the room. <laughs> yeah, and, and have do it in a, in a padded yes. room exactly. or outside yeah. where yeah. everyone can see you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really helpful too. Thank you. Yeah, and I think too, going back to, you know, I think when people think about therapy, sometimes, especially like marriage or family therapy, there's that cliche idea of, you know, those I statements but they're there for a reason. The basics are the basics for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think if we come back to that, so if somebody has said, let's say somebody, Brock hurts my feelings, and I want to address that with you, I can't go at him and just like guns blazing and ready to like. In attack mode. Right. Yeah. And so if, but if I go to him and I say like, I felt this, like I felt this way, this, you didn't make me feel this way. I feel this way mm-hmm. when you say blah, 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 then I'm still taking ownership, but if there is something that you're doing that's maybe not necessary or not helpful, then if you're being aware and practicing that awareness and responsibility, you're going to take that and be like, oh, I didn't realize it came across that way or that I even said that. And so then if you're doing your I statements with that, I'm doing mine, it might— At least gives us a chance. It does. And and the temperature in the room comes down. You know, it's not so heated. And— when we're talking about hard stuff or stuff that makes us uncomfortable, all of it's tied to emotions. Mm-hmm. And so when we are being emotional, it's going to change the way that we show up and how we talk and just absolutely be. And, and as your communications person here, uh, I'll do this little warning before we move on to the, to the third T. Tone is not easy to convey when it is in a text or an Amen. email. Yes. Save the difficult conversations. Yes. Yes. Save the quips. Save the sarcasm. For when they can read your face and hear yes. your voice, yeah, negative uh, communication on print is always a really, really bad, way. Yes. bad idea. And 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 we and we kind of know that for like a boss, or we know that for a friend, or or we should. But for some reason, with a spouse, we think, oh, they know me, they'll get it. Right. Don't do it. It is amazing how many times so people have come into my office and said, read this text message. Can you believe this? I'm like, yeah. you know, it's just that this never works out for some right. reason unless exactly. it's positive. And, and I think these types of conversations shouldn't. I mean, I get it. Sometimes things are said or people can't be together and maybe someone's traveling, whatever. But this is the kind of stuff that needs to be handled face to face. And again, it's not gonna it's not gonna get fixed in one conversation probably. Mm-hmm. So knowing that we need to keep meeting about this and keep discussing it and um, we can also still have a life outside of that conversation or that thing that we're working on. You know, we can yep. do the hard things and talk through them, but and still have a healthy marriage where that's not affecting every single piece of the, the pie. Right. 
Well, let's, what's our third T of the four T's of communication? <clears throat> so the next one is technique. And so this is um, important because I think blaming is where this happens a lot, but making sure you're not using words like always and never and just being extreme and coming at somebody. So again, if you're using I statements um, and you're trying to be aware and practice that um, that responsible kind of conversation, then we're going to be less likely to blame other people or use words that sound like we're blaming or shaming. Yep. So uh, one fun, I don't know if fun is the right word, um, a neat way to do this is a compliment sandwich. So you, what you do is you, and it's not to, it's not to um, camouflage what you're trying to say. A lot of people think they're not being direct when, they, when we say to use this, and that's not what it is. So you're going to use a compliment um, or, you know, speak truth into them or something, say something loving, but that's true. And yeah, that's say something even, nice. Yeah, applicable to what's going on. Um, and then you bring up your constructive point. Again, still watching your tone and your body language and making sure it's the right time to do it. And then you follow it up with another truthful, nice point. So if we do that, it's going to show that we're not there just to cause a ruckus. You right. know, we're right. there to like, we just want to... Destroying we, this human being. Yes. We're trying to value this human being and really see this as an issue we're talking about, not yes. a personal attack on a human Absolutely. being. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then the last one is just truth. Is what I'm saying true? Does it line up with scripture? Um is the way that I'm conveying it congruent with truth. And it's this is hard to do when emotions are bubbling or even spewing over the surface, but that's why sometimes, I mean, if we need to take time to get our head on straight before we do these, that's okay to do as well as long as there's follow-up. Yeah, and that's the most difficult one for me, to be, to be honest. I'm a Enneagram 4, so all of that... Uh, um, <clears throat> what we talked about earlier where I kind of go away and create the narrative. That's very customary of, of kind of who I am. And so I have to be really careful to make sure that the things that I'm thinking or hearing in my head or hearing from other people that I'm, I'm listening to about situations or whatever, uh, especially in my marriage, are, are they true mm -hmm. according to not only what God says they should be, but, but what has actually happened. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say I know what my wife was thinking really, until I've asked my wife what she was thinking, mm -hmm. and then she's told me what, what she was about. And so I can create a scenario, but that's not necessarily true. And but the more we ask questions, the more we get to know the person, the yeah. less we make up that story right. about that's what's good. going on, mm -hmm. because now yeah. we have truth instead of like, based on our pain, our past, our experience, we're making up stuff that may or not be reality at all. Right? Yeah. And I, t I mean, I tell people all the time, whether we're talking about this kind of stuff, anything that could be distorted in our own minds, focus on facts. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you don't know, even if you've got like, you're like, I'm absolutely sure I know that they're thinking this, but it's not been confirmed or stated from the other person, then it's not factual. You know, even if you know your spouse well, you can still make up stories or have an inner dialogue that is not true or helpful. Mm -hmm. And so... Focus on what is true, what do, you, what do you know, and if you don't know it, go ask questions around that thing, you know, or allow your, give yourself permission to not go down those rat routes in your mind yeah. because they're probably going to lead you to a, a harmful or negative space. Yep. Yeah, and feelings are real, but feelings are liars. Yeah. Don't trust them. Um, well, this has been really great stuff. Let's do the four T's one more time. What are they? Brock, would you like to? Uh, timing, 
tone, technique, and truth. All right. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been super helpful. Thank you so much for your insights. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Next time, we're going to come back to our la- on our last episode of this season to talk about uh, the day that Brock threw a huge temper tantrum mm-hmm. uh, trying to meet one Tara for a, a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> so uh, you want to come back and hear that story for sure. We'll see you guys then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Learn more about the marriage ministry at Hope by visiting hopefellowship.net slash marriage.